When he turned 30, Jedediah Jenkins made the decision to ride a bicycle from Oregon to Patagonia. 16 months later, he arrived to his final destination, and he is now sharing his insight and story on choosing your life and living with intention. Jedediah joins us in this episode of Let the Music Play as we discuss his journey with mystery, his love affair with metaphors, and how to cultivate a life of wonder and awe in the magic of what's mundane. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and welcome to Let the Music Play. A bunch of notes played at once or played out of order can just, you know, when the, when the orchestra is rehearsing or like they're getting ready before the show and it just kind of sounds like noise, it's not until you organize the notes that it becomes music. And it's, and I think the human brain, distracted by trying to stay alive and trying to manage responsibilities and insecurity and everything going on, pressures of society, um, sometimes doesn't realize that everything already is in tune. And the music is playing, you just can't hear it. And anything that I can do, when, when I hear music, I want to say, ah, you thought this was noise, it's music. Ah, you thought this was noise, it's music. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Let the Music Play podcast. I'm your host, Ashton Gustafson, and uh, we have a treat on our hands today. Um, sometime in the last 12 months, uh, I crossed paths uh, via the interwebs and Instagram and everything uh, with an individual named Jedediah Jenkins. And let me just say, uh, I'm just going to begin the conversation with this. He is one of us. Uh, he is asking great big questions. He's walking with mystery, uh, and he is finding awe and wonder all throughout his life. Um, so with that being said, I just want to introduce all of our listeners uh, and everyone that's here to my new friend, Jedediah Jenkins. Jedediah, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here. I'm ready to talk about everything under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, awesome. And that's, above the sun and behind the, the sun. Yeah. Oh yes, let's go. It's still expanding, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, the, the, the Jedediah elevator speech. When, when somebody says, tell me about yourself, um, your story, where do, where do you begin? Because this thing is, I don't even want to give it away because it's, it's such a beautiful kaleidoscope of whimsy and beauty. Where do you, where do you start? Well, that's a great question. I mean, it's so funny where everyone has these identity markers, whether it's father, mother, brother, son, you know, lawyer, writer, you know, you lock it in there and it, it's every in New York. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And we all want to say we do that cool thing. And then mm -hmm. sometimes we get so annoyed at going to these cocktail parties. We're like, I don't want anyone to ask me what I do <laughs> or anything. I just want to like talk about anything else. Um, so it's funny, but I totally actually love <laughs> the boxes people are put in yeah. because then I I'm willing to hold a box with the top wide open. I'm like, Oh my gosh, if you're a lawyer, like show me how interesting that is and expand because I, I don't think you're just a lawyer and yeah. that's a mistake. A lot of people make. So, so yes. for me, I'm a writer. Um, and 
I'm a traveler, I'm an adventurer, all these bankrupt words. But (laughs) (laughs) um, my real intention for my life that I discovered in the last few years was to play with and pursue the articulation of what it means to be alive. Mm. And that is my favorite thing. That is my calling. That is what I want to do when I wake up until I go to bed. And articulation doesn't always mean words. I think it can also mean manifestation. So like doing it with your body, feeling it, going forth into the world and trying things. I just really feel like a surrogate um, for humanity Mm. in all experiences. I mean, I'm not trying to do all experiences. Some things are too illegal or dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) But I will walk that line. (laughs) You will. Yeah, I'll get close to the edge. But so I I would say I'm a writer. And then the story that leads into how I feel confident to say that, because, you know, especially if you're doing something you've dreamt of, there's imposter syndrome where you're like, who am I to say I'm a writer? Who am I to say I'm an entrepreneur? Who am I to say really anything? And so the journey into pushing past imposter syndrome for me, you know, took years. But I'm I feel like I'm there now where I can say it and not hold it with anything beyond appropriate pride of just like, yeah, we're all trying to do things. Why not be proud of trying? Hmm. The journey past, what did you say? The journey past, uh, uh, imposter, imposter syndrome. That is gold. I love that. So tell me about this journey because it, it, there was a lot of things leading up, I think to the apex of this journey, maybe, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to hopping on the bike and leaving Oregon, but you've done you you from USC film school law school, um, you played a massive role with Invisible Children, mm-hmm. and then you get this idea to get on your bike in Oregon and ride it all the way to Patagonia. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> when 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 did this go down? When did I do the bike ride? Yeah. Um, I left August of 2013 and I finished Christmas of 2014. So like wow. August, September, October, so November, like 16 months, 16 months on a bike from Oregon all the way to Patagonia. What, what spurred this? Well, what spurred it was really, I'm a very in broad strokes, intentional person in, <laughs> in, Minute strokes, I'm literally just like a visceral animal. I'm like, I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. I need to, you know, like I'm very like simple like an animal. But in the big, broad things, I'm very intentional. And so I'm constantly seeing the forest for the trees, like at all times. And as I was going through my 20s, I was like, what am I doing on this planet? And... um. You know, I had gone to USC because I thought I wanted to be a film director, and that dream died when I actually started trying to do it. And I was like, this is very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I was way harder than I thought, and a lot of people management, which is my number one failure. (laughs) And then then I went to law school because I was like, I'm so creative. I need to lock it up and get like a real skill. Um, And so it was a balancing act. You you were trying to balance yourself out. Oh my gosh, I'm so right brained to the degree like I'm constantly like tipping over like I'm <laughs> way too right brain. So I was like, wow, may, you know, I know I'm creative, but what if I could match that with a like tangible skill? I would be, you know, 
a powerhouse. Wow. But of course, I go to law school, which I loved, but then I got so steeped in like constitutional law and the theory of law that the like nitty-gritty paperwork of being a lawyer, I was like, ew, this is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. And I mean, that's so famous. Everybody knows how hard it is to be a lawyer. It's mm-hmm. so much work. But the, the, the education of it, I just absolutely adored. Wow. And... And, but then all of a sudden I had all this debt and I'd made such a big mistake and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to be shackled to this job that I don't like, you know, and you go through that whole cycle of paying off debt with a job you don't like, all of a sudden you're stuck in a job for so long, then you've invested in that job for so many years, you can't just leave. Mm -hmm. And then you put your train on a track out of necessity that seems to have hijacked any possibility of dreams. Hmm. So that was, that's what I started to feel in law school. And my friends were starting this nonprofit called invisible children. And they were like, we need a lawyer. And, um, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'll do anything but work in a law firm. And so I went as in-house counsel to invisible children. Wow. And that was the best decision. Honestly, I ever made in my life. Although I don't really know if I believe in decisions. I don't know if I believe in choice because everything <laughs> hmm. in the sense where like everything is a response to stimuli. It's like if I had hadn't been so crushed by law school, I would have thought working for an African charity was like not my thing. Right. You know, it's so interesting when you look back at your life and you actually see the dominoes falling and you're like, well, they I don't know if they could have fallen another way. Hmm. Um, and so. I end up going to Invisible Children, and there I start out as a lawyer, and quickly they start pulling me into meetings for writing these documentaries and writing these huge campaigns for youth movements. And they're like, Jed, we're having trouble saying this, this, and this. How would you say it? And so then I would say it, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's it. Write it down. Write it down. And over time, that kept happening where they were like, just have Jed write it. Have Jed write it. (laughs) And The lawyer. Jed, the lawyer, write it. And so I just kept writing all these like motivational speeches and voiceovers and and copy for this youth movement. And I got hired as like basically the full time writer. Ultimately, my my job became director of idea, director of ideology and idea creation was my job at Invisible Children to like articulate the movement. Yeah. And. And it was through that that I found, wow, this is my favorite thing. Huh. This is my favorite thing. Putting, putting words around ideas. Yes, exactly. Like using the clay of words and making something that is digestible, tangible, and inspirational. And so that was happening in my mid to late 20s. Hmm. And, and I saw this horizon of 30 coming. And I was like oh, wow, I have realized that what I want to do with my life is write words. And I'm really on this trajectory in the human rights world. I'm going to like, and I love this. I love my job. It's all happening. I might end up at the UN. Who knows? (laughs) But I just, I could feel that thing in me where I was like, I'm about to blink and be 55. Mm -hmm. Yes. It'll freak you out. I felt it. Yes, I felt (laughs) the like, slippery rocks on the side of the mountain. And I'm like, Oh gosh, this is about to happen. 
And 30 felt like such a mile marker of like, you are an adult and you, you know, and, and things start, responsibilities start building up Mm -hmm. is like what I felt. There's a a trajectory here. Yes. I really felt that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm 27 when I'm having these thoughts and I'm like, okay, when I turn 30, no matter what, I'm going to quit invisible children and for two years and go on a year long journey. And I'm going to write about it for a year. And then if I make a book out of it, if I just write a blog, if I just see I'm not as good of a writer as I had hoped, who knows, at least I'll say I tried it and I can go back to the human rights work. I love it. And I'm pretty good at it. So, but I got to do this, but I got to do this now before I have a family and a mortgage and a who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. I I gave my three year notice at work. I said, guys, I'm quitting in three years. And they're like three year notice. That's so intense. (laughs) I'm just giving you a heads up. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, work around it. (laughs) And, and that was really, the, the whole intention of the bike trip was to give myself something to write about hmm. Be- because the imposter syndrome, like I was talking about, I'm like, I'm in my late twenties. How annoying is someone writing a memoir in their twenties? It's like, you just got to earth. What are you, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> right. You know, but you got and something how, to say. And yeah. And how arrogant. And so, and here's the thing. I, there are some amazing writers in their 20s, and they have gifts. But I didn't know if I had that gift, and I didn't want to presume I did. Yeah. And you, wanted, so, you, wanted to, you wanted to report back from a journey. Yes. I wanted to write something that even if I was a bad writer, it would be interesting, uh, period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, i got to do something big and stupid. And, and right as I'm having this moment, I met this amazing guy who had ridden his bicycle from New Jersey to Buenos Aires. And he was so inspiring. And the moment he said it, it's like, you know, when someone says something the first time you've ever heard it, but it lands on you as Mm -hmm. so true, Mm -hmm. you know, it's true the moment you hear it, Mm -hmm. you know, and he said that to me and I knew it was true for my life. I was like, I'm about to do that. Oh my gosh. And then he affirmed in me because I've never been an athlete. I've never been, you know, I've always been insecure about what I can do physically. And he looked at me and he goes, there's a lot of people I wouldn't say this to, but you, I know you can do it. And that was a real fuel for the soul. Yes. Words have power and especially they have power to bless and to curse. And if a well-placed blessing changes the direction of a life. So so it did mine. So does. Yeah. Wow. So walk me through like, you kick the kickstand up and start pedaling. I mean, like, what is what is the feeling of like, okay, we're pointing this thing south. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, I'm such a fly by the seat of your pants human. It's like the funniest thing you've ever done is walk into REI and say, I'm looking oh. to buy a bike. And they're like, okay, what do you want to use it for? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to use it for? Are you like back roads? And I'm like, well, I need it for every type of road. <laughs> That exists and also not road. And I need it wow. to never break. It and, needs to be good like, in the elements. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what the? And I'm like, well, I'm going to bike from here, roughly here, to the bottom of Earth. 
so help me, you know. And and so often these people at like sports stores make you feel so stupid. They're like, when are you leaving? And I'm like, in a month. And they're like, you should have been training three, you know, for two years. You should be, you know, elevation preparing your lungs. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I've had a life. I need you to help me with the information you have now. Wow. So, yeah. so you, what, you fill your pockets with cliff bars or, and just start pedaling? I mean, what, what is that feeling like when it's like, here we go? It's, it was, well, so I used clip-in pedals. Do you know what those are? Okay. Well, I, I would imagine. You, you can imagine. So like, it's a special <laughs> kind of shoe. It's sort, it's like a special kind of shoe and it clips in, like you clip into a ski, like for skiing. And so if you fall, and- it all falls. You're falling with it. Yeah, you're attached to it. So, yeah. like, I'm thinking, oh, what a perfect way to tear my ACL, MCL, and every other thing. <laughs> like, I can't wait for this to, like, rip my leg off. And, the, and I, of course, me, I had never clipped in until the moment I started the trip. Whoa. Of course. And so, imagine how scary that is. And my friend Philip and then my friend Jordan were starting the trip with me just to, like, we, J- Philip and I, rode together for 10 months. Um, and he's an astonishing human, but we clipped in and I immediately fell to the ground because the bike is so heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, so the bike REI sells you, which is an amazing bike. Um, it's called a surly long haul trucker. If anyone wants a bike across the world. Yeah. You should get, it, you should get some uh, feedback or, or remedy on yeah, that thing. Yeah. They are, this bike was perfect. And what's so genius about it is it's made of steel, meaning, you know, there's some very high, fancy, falutin bikes, but if you have some, like, bike made from stardust and, like, Elon Musk's tears, <laughs> no one in Ecuador can fix it, and so you're screwed. Right. But if you have a steel bike, any old mechanic in any village can fix it. It's amazing. Wow. And so that's why you get bikes like that. And we, I clip in and I start riding and the bike weighs a bazillion pounds and I fall like multiple times. And then you kind of get the, get the hang of it. And we started in a little town called Florence, Oregon, which has significance because that's where my parents finished their walk across America in the seventies. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, that's beautiful. headed south, headed south. And so 16 months, I mean, I, 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 you get rained on, you get sunburned. I mean, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, luckily if you time it right, what's so amazing about the earth and its axis <laughs> is that you can follow the seasons in such a way where you, as you near the equator, it, the earth simplifies into two seasons, hmm. rainy season and dry season. Hmm. And like half the year it rains, half the year it doesn't rain. So you can time it in such a way, like in 16 months, I really got rained on maybe four days. Wow. Yeah. It was amazing. That's unbelievable. I mean, I got frigidly cold in the Andes and I got boiling hot in Baja, but in Colombia, but really I had amazing weather, lots of camping in the strangest places, lots of hostels, lots of host homes. Lots of broken bike where I had to like throw it in the back of a truck and hitchhike with some rad teenagers who were like drinking and driving, like you know, is the best. Oh man! And so, 
I got to get on this bike from Oregon to Patagonia, and the reason I'm doing it is because I've got something to say, but I've got a journey. I want to. I want to go through a journey before I say what I think I'm here to say. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, what do you learn? Like, was there a theme? Was there a? Was there an idea? A mantra? A metaphor? That you just you just peddled peddled in for and smiled in for 16 months i mean i just i have this image of you just with this grin you can't wipe off your face just pedaling <laughs> that's really what i <laughs> that's really the idea i have well yeah it was it's true i that is really inaccurate i grin a lot but also <laughs> i you know there were really sweaty hard mountains to climb hmm. and deserts to cross and you know situations but it, it was just there is such a mental relaxation in the simplicity of having clear purpose and direction in your day so like i had yeah. nothing else to do in a day but go a little further south wow. like imagine that the, the clarity mm-hmm. you just have to go south and your whole life is on the bicycle mm-hmm. everything you own everything you need to worry about is you can pick it up in your hands like that was just this astonishing season of simplicity and and freedom to think Mm -hmm. and and what's so amazing is i like i was saying i think by speaking out loud but i i don't think in my head very well except i am doing it but my heart soul and brain do not let give me access to what it's doing Mm -hmm. so like I think uh, Steinbeck called it black reasoning, and he talked about it. And I've read so much of his work, I lose track where I read it. But he talks about the power of when you ha- when you can't figure something out, he suggests going to sleep hmm. because you'll wake up and know exactly what you think. Wow! You know, and he he's like your your brain is doing the work, and you're you're not given access to the closed door. Hmm. You know, like it closes the door and does its work. Yeah. And for me. When I engage my body doing something like riding a bike or hiking and, and just like listening to a podcast or a book on tape or music, I really am thinking about everything and a lot of times don't even know what I'm thinking. It's just happening. Doors are opening. Doors are opening and then I'll have a conversation at dinner or around the campfire with Philip or with the host family or some random Danish kids in a hostel and I'll have the, this like it epiphany. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'll be talking to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I believe. <laughs> yeah. I've had that exact experience. Yeah. And so basically the work of the trip, I was very rarely privy to hmm. until much later, like a year after I got back, you know, it was all kind of what I was doing on that trip was really kicking up a lot of dirt Mm -hmm. and, you know, tearing through the closet, throwing the clothes all over the floor so that I could actually see what I've got and what needs to stay and what needs to stay and what needs to go. And do, and do I even wear this shirt? I've had this shirt for four years. Have I ever worn it? Get rid of it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And so I kind of was doing this unconscious inventory with my body and with you know, the simplicity of living a life like that. And now what I've come to realize is that I was transitioning from 
tradition and a fear-based identity into confidence and a relationship with mystery and the universe and a God that seemed to be speaking to me all the time, as opposed to a theology that was restricting me and afraid of its own demise. Let's go. That's it. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so was it just aha after aha each day? I mean, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine there's just some things you only learn a certain way. And for you and your story and your walk with the mystery, this was one of those things that, that had to happen to unlock the code, to open the doors, to really be given eyes to see what you needed to see. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't some like waterfall of ahas. It was just a, it was, there's something really special about a season of intentional learning and intent an intentional mm-hmm. pushing of yourself into discomfort. Like right. who does that? We right. don't do that. Right. The last time you think about it, the last time you really did that was when you moved away from home and it's freshman year of college and you're learning everything new. Right. And you're feeling like you're flying on your, and you're scared. And then guess what? you talk to an older person and they say, oh, college was the best years of my life. And it's like, no one realizes why. Well, because you were in a season of intentional learning and discomfort. It's like, hello. And everything was new. Yeah, keep doing that, dumbass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Uh, Man, so good. Um, Okay, so so you do this for 16 months. um, And... Now you've been, what, kind of working on the project of writing, of putting these thoughts on paper. Um, you've taken what you've learned. Now now tell me kind of what you're doing with, with all of that that you learned on the journey. Yeah, so it's approaching two years being back, and I launched a magazine called Wilderness. <laughs> which is with amazing. With a friend of mine. Thank you. Which oh, is it's wheels so off fun to put amazing. together. Oh, thank you. That's It's really a labor of love, and... And like writing a book is a long process because it's really like excavating. Yeah. I'm, I'm in year four, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, I will commiserate with you forever because it's an excavation. <laughs> right. And it's messy and it's confusing. Um, and so this, working on this magazine with some buddies of mine, and trust me, they do the heavy lifting. My God, they're amazing. But um, – what it's done is given me these incremental things to produce and hold where mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, thank God I have, you know, I'm sure your podcast feels the same way and yeah. the other things you do where you're like, oh, I'm, this is a thing that I can hold in my hand and say like, I did this. Yeah. And it, I think that's so huge in the human psyche to, to make tangible to, things. Ha- yes. To, to have the art to give. Yes. Cause yeah. when you, I always feel such empathy for uh, people who push papers and work for giant corporations where their only measure of success is not being fired and the stock price of their company. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, how do you, how do you measure your own mm-hmm. sense of value and production? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that they ha- are privy to some deep spiritual wisdom that I don't have where like that kind of labor and trust into something so much bigger than you, um, 
gives you this something else that I don't know. All mm-hmm. I know is that making things and looking at them and touching them is very satisfying. Yes. And yeah. so, so I've been making Wilderness Magazine and then doing other just like odd jobs to pay the bills until this I can write this book. And, and it's been so I'm, – I'm finally really coming in to – what the book is like Mm -hmm. really, you know, and I think, um, I'm in the process of signing a book deal. Um, it's in the very early stages. Um, so I can't, I don't want to talk about it in detail until it's actually done deal, but, um, it's just very, very, very exciting. And to work with an editor to kind of give me restrictions and boundaries for my paint splatters. Um, I'm very excited about that process, but in the whole experience of writing, what I learned about myself is I'm an ideas guy. And that's what I learned from even writing during the trip online. What I wrote about was less about Mexican culture or an old lady in Ecuador than it was about some rich, deep idea that I was experiencing that was rocking my world. Mm-hmm. And that was what readers seemed to respond to. They were like, wow. And so I the, kind the, of... Yeah, the, the here, the now, the right in front of you. Yeah. The unseen. The, yeah, the inner, the inner structure of thinking was so much what I'm about. And so that is what I've been grappling with, is being both a storyteller, but also a lay philosopher, you know, a fireside philosopher where we can talk about these big ideas over whiskey and laughter Mm. in a way that makes, you know, you don't have to be in Buenos Aires to feel this way. You can feel it in your living room in Los Angeles. And so let's, let's find those common threads and use bigger language. But if you don't ground big language in a real t- concrete story, it can float off into space and yeah. become meaningless. Yeah. And so that's the like the dance that, that has been the real learning curve for me. Yeah. Yeah. Getting getting entering into and participating with the mystery at, that's currently at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. It's not out there. It's yeah. right here. Exactly. Yeah. La- last night, man, this is random. So there's this little Hispanic, <laughs> uh, ice cream shop. That's, mm. that's kind of, kind of a way. And, and I take my girls there a couple times a week. Um, there's like no, there's no labels on the ice cream. It's just like chocolate and strawberry, and, but it's, 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 <laughs> it's beautiful. Just brown, it's just it's brown and pink and white. Yeah. But so, but last night we go in there We're the only ones in there and her name is Carla she speaks no Eng- she speaks no English. Uh, the, my girls order their ice cream. She comes out from behind the kind of register, and for twenty minutes she just plays with my daughter's hair and ponytail, and and, and like this, I, I was I was I was like I'm I'm dabbing my eyes because I'm going. If if you want to know what heaven's like. It's a place where, like, we don't really talk the same language, but a lady serves you ice cream and she just pets your children's hair. I, I was losing it, losing my mind. Called my wife last night, could barely even tell her the story. Um, and and that's what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. That is exactly it. And I, that rings so true to me because some of my most precious and special encounters were when, like, a Quechua woman or man 
um, which is the indigenous people of like the high Andes, mm-hmm. they don't speak, they don't even speak Spanish really. And I was, I would have these precious tender encounters with them, you know, like mm-hmm. really sign language and laughing, trying to ask a guy to help me <laughs> fix a busted tire or bike tire. And he would speak to me in as fast as he wanted to in his language. <laughs> and he would see on my face, I have no idea. And we would just cackle. I had this guy <laughs> hand me a beer at 8.30 in the morning. He was sitting outside drinking a beer. He was probably 70. Drinking a beer. And he just took my bike in his house, brought it out perfectly fixed. Wow. And then drank a beer with me at 8.30 in the morning. And That's then good. I was on my way. And I was like, I don't. I didn't understand one word not even hola he gave, didn't even give me hola and we i that man is the greatest human on the planet like yeah. i love him yeah uh, that was i left last night just going the freaking human experience will bring you to your knees um oh yeah i i have to tell you um my next tattoo is i just want the word humans tattooed on me <laughs> like i don't know where maybe my wrist or something because i say it multiple times a day yeah. so it works for everything. When yes. you when you go to New York City and you realize it used to be a forest and now it's full of giant buildings. Humans. Like you just say humans. <laughs> or or you go to like you see all the kids <clears throat> trick or treating and you realize this entire city is swarming with children dressed as dead people and ghosts and goblins and anything you can imagine <laughs> and they're just doing it for pleasure and you just say humans. Humans. I went to um, a Cirque du Soleil show on Broadway called Paramore, and I'm sitting there, and this guy is riding a unicycle with a woman on his shoulders, and the platform, this tiny table is being lifted up. He's balancing, and there's 2,000 people in this audience who paid a lot of money to sit there and watch him do that, money they worked for, and I'm just like, humans. Yeah, yeah. What an am- But then you can also say it in a sad way, just like, Right. What is going on in Syria? Humans. It's like mm-hmm. the word means everything. It's like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And how amazing are we? I I honestly say it all the time. Yeah. So that's my next tattoo. Yeah. Love it. Gosh. So good. <laughs> so good. Um, I'm having a blast, by the way. This is Me awesome. Too. Uh, so, uh, so let's, let, let's, let's get into, um, maybe the headspace, soul space a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, who, because you've got to be an avid reader. Um, at mm-hmm. least that's, that's, the, that's the sense that I'm getting. Um, and, and I'm I, an avid book starter. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, I get 75 pages in and I'm like, mm. yeah, and then I'm, like, yeah. I'm a barracuda. I see something flashy. I'm like, ooh, what's this book? Another one. I know. I have like 15 by my bed. It's a problem. Um, <clears throat> but for what books, authors, uh, books or authors have really shaped you and your thinking? Um, mm. And listen, I don't like this question because I don't even know where to begin. It's like, it's like, who do you think when you win the Grammys, you know? I mean, it's like, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know who to shout out to right now. Um, but where where would you start? I mean, you got to be dialed in with Wendell Berry. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, John oh my, Muir. So, I mean, go ahead. 
Well, I'll actually like. There's a there's like a chain of of readings that that like led me into my current headspace. Okay. So it started with the Book of Ecclesiastes. Wow. Where, as a teenager, I hated going to church and I hated the Bible and I hated the Christianity of my mom. I thought it was so cheesy, and. Then in youth group, we started reading Ecclesiastes, and I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, this is badass. He's just talking about everything is meaningless. Humans. All his concubines are meaningless. <laughs> right. Yeah, humans. humans. Nothing is new. Nothing is new under the sun. Everything rots. Everything is a cycle. There's a time for war. There's a time. I'm like, this is not at all what I thought the Bible was. Yeah. Like, this is like really like dark and yeah. sad and also like philosophical philosophical and true so i and i and i was like oh wow and so and then that kind of got me interested in that kind of thinking and then c.s lewis blew my brains out of the as he planet, does as he does and i was like wow you can be like you can really think about these things and and i he changed my life more than anyone in the sense that his use of metaphor mm. and and language and the way he explains something through metaphor mm. and through like playful language that also doesn't condescend. It like uplifts you into like big ideas. Um, change completely changed my life. Is there anything um, better than metaphor? No, it's all we have. It is all we have. It is the way our brain works and it is the greatest thing because yes, oh, <laughs> yes, it gets me so excited. Then I fell in love with um, John Steinbeck, and and yeah. to this day, uh, East of Eden is the best book I've ever read, and the only book I've read more than twice. Wow! And um, then I really fell. I read the book John Adams by David McCullough, mm-hmm. which really influenced me. Just the like his commitment to virtue and and the way he influenced the shape our country was had a big impact on me wow then i fell in love with henry miller and the beat you know the beat or beat poets and all them like henry miller in particular um and i i love you know in inner interspliced in there madeline lingle and and wendell oh my god wendell berry uh thomas merton let's go uh tony morrison um, can we have you on again? Like there's, there's more, this is more than one conversation in a podcast. So like, let's just, <laughs> let's just put it down sometime in 2017. Yeah. Uh, we oh will, re- yes. we will revisit metaphor because I'm like looking at my wall right now and I'm like, Oh, we, if we just had some coffee in this room, uh, we'd go for a while. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just, and that was when I really, in, in my process of reading was when I really figured out my what it was I wanted to bring to the world because mm, right. it was this it was this idea of what is your favorite feeling and my favorite feeling is this feeling I get when I'm reading something and I underline it because I say there it is just raise, like, raise your hands take a lap around yes, the room take a lap I'm like I've always been trying to say this had no idea how, or, yes. or I didn't even know I thought that. But the moment I read it, I think it. It's like I didn't even. It's mirror. No. It's the the author mirrors it for you. 
Yes. Yeah, totally. And so I was like, that's my favorite feeling. And in the rare times I've provided that for someone else, it's the most rewarding feeling mm-hmm. I can have. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I dedicate my life to yeah. becoming some level of an expert at giving that feeling to other people? Wow. Man. Yeah, so that's that's it. Oh, just weaving a blanket of wonder and awe with all those authors. Mm. Oh. And and then it's your role to like report back, you know? Exactly. Like like you've gathered all of this and it's like this smoothie, if you will. It's like here, take a sip of this is all that I've gathered. Um, yeah, and, and and now I really feel, you know, in this season of intentionality, I you know, you look at that list and it's like a lot of really smart white guys. And I'm like, I want now that I've like found who I am through the echoing and mirroring of people like me, how much more can I expand Mm. what I know and see and feel as a human being? If I can hear different voices from different perspectives. And so I'm like now super excited to expand that with who I'm reading and where I'm finding it because I found the echo chamber and now I want to like bust out the walls yeah yeah let the music let let the music out let the music come in there's like I don't know if you've ever read any James Baldwin I haven't he he I mean writes like you can't imagine like Wow. His turn of phrase, and he was so influential in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Like, I mean, huge. Mm-hmm. And just such an intellectual from New York. And anyway, I'm yeah. just like, I have a lot to learn, and it's so fun. So fun learning. It is. <laughs> it is. And you have these, you have these like random friendships with these authors that you don't even, you've never met. Some of them aren't even here anymore. Um, I know, but it's That's like so, so remarkable. It's like they, in a way, walk with you. Some. Oh, when I that, and, <clears throat> oh, I didn't even I I forgot to bring up like what profound impact like Brian McLaren had on me. Totally. Yeah. And and then like now Richard Rohr is having on me. Let's go. Um, and so the village elder you know, speaks. Yes, I mean just. <laughs> And that's the, like, books, I guess, books provide you with the mentors that you couldn't find in your own life. And and I feel like, and then I feel like the internet is now providing us with peers that Mm -hmm. we can't find in our own life. Exactly. Yeah. And mentors, but peers, you know, it's like you have access to other people that are on the same spot of the journey as you can show us. Yeah. It's really, you, I mean, I cannot imagine the isolation of someone a hundred years ago in the middle of the Ozarks feeling a certain way without the finances or access to books. They just kind of have to look at the sunset and figure it out. (laughs) Right. And you know what they, and then if they have, you know, a a miracle of access to understanding, they did. I mean, there's some amazing writers who just kind of like popped out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, think of all the, the brilliant grandmothers and abuelas and wow. that never wrote a word. And yet they, they understood everything mm-hmm. just from life. Yes. That's what I thought last night. That was exactly what I thought last night. I was like, mm. she gets it. She, she is doing a okay. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> in in the in the way I now define success, she is dialed in. Mm. Um, mm, so good. So uh, so what's currently keeping you curious? I mean, what's mm. what's what's sparking creativity for you these days? Oh man, I've never really not been curious. It's so just I don't on. Know how to it's end. always on. Yeah, I am like so. You are curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am very much a caricature of certain traits, and I am just so curious. And that is that is a big part of my actual personality. And and any level of all any success I've ever had is because of my curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because right. like being interested makes you interesting, and being interested makes you likable. Because you go to a party and you sit there and you light up when someone tells you what they do and you ask them a lot of pointed questions. They're like, whoa, this guy's really nice. Or, you know, and I'm not nice. I'm just curious. (laughs) Yeah. Curiosity. It didn't it didn't kill the cat. It it let him out of the box. Yes. Curiosity is is actually such a superpower. I mean, I cannot. I think Elizabeth Gilbert says that or maybe it's a super common thing, but it's like. Uh, bored people are boring. Yeah. Interested people like, are interesting. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's like, yeah. And it's so true. I'm like, yes. Who, what are you doing if you're bored? Like, right. And, and I would even take it a step further. And I think you, you'll probably resound with this curiosity coupled with gratitude. Watch out. Mm. Oh, Oh yeah. Curiosity. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's the whole thing is like, I think your life, especially your inner life is made or broken by how you define success and curiosity coupled with gratitude is success to me. Mm -hmm. And if it's externally driven, your soul mm -hmm. will be bankrupt. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if success is based on any level of arrival, like the word success (laughs) has in it some baggage of like, Arrival, yeah. which yeah. is a paradox of false. It's not true. You cannot yeah. arrive at success. You can, or you, you cannot really feel it, yeah. or you grow stagnant. And so, to me, success is actually a fluid thing. Is like, is a river successful? What does that even mean? No, it's flowing. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, we we got some metaphors here. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, I think it was Merton once, like he was in the backwoods of Kentucky and, mm. and crossed paths with like one of his fellow, I don't even know, friends or whatever. They, they were they were doing their thing and he was screaming in the woods like, God's not out there. Mm. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's all an inside job. Um, it's all an inside job. When, that is so... When success becomes the inside job, then you better just watch out because every day is this new, wonderful, mysterious experience. And it's not a game. It's an experience. Um, Exactly. And I was thinking this morning, I walked, I woke up early because I'm still in New York time and I walked to the coffee shop in my neighborhood. And I guess while I was gone, I don't know if, if in Texas, maybe you do like California has a very marked rainy season and dry season. And our rainy season is very short, but when it comes, 
there it is comes. this gr- when it comes it comes but there is this grass that lives everywhere and it goes dormant and the moment a drop of water hits it i can't express to you how quickly it grows you can practically watch it and so for january february march los angeles becomes ireland wow. i'm not joking you the entire thing turns neon green every hillside every street corner it's exploding i mean these these yeah. plants have evolved to take advantage of this tiny rain season hmm. and just run with it and so it must have rained while I was gone for two weeks and I'm walking to Starbucks and I look down and there are these tiny little green buds shooting out of, mm-hmm. and I just looked at them and I'm alone. It's like barely light out and I'm just so happy. I'm like looking at them. I'm like, look at this little baby just like racing for his moment. I just yeah. loved him. I loved him and I felt such love yeah. for the rain and for this moment and how exciting this season of green grass is going to be. It makes me so happy. Um, and and time, I, time stops in those moments. Yeah. And I just thought, what's, what is more successful than just loving that? Mm. Like, I love that. I'm so happy that this grass is growing and, and that doesn't require any degree. It doesn't require much except Presence. curiosity and gratitude. And yep. in, in presence. Yeah. Oh man, this is good. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so, uh, so what? Like, so now, success is an inside job. You know, it's about the mystery. You know, it's about wonder and presence and gratitude. Um, would you say you have rhythms or habits that kind of keep you consistently on the path? with a sense of awe and, and, and a walk with the mystery. I mean, tell, tell me, is there, I mean, would you say that you just now have daily walks, meditations, uh, moments, strolls? I, I don't know. I mean, do you, have you know, and maybe you haven't noticed, but you may think about some areas of your life that you now can see are somewhat habitual or rhythmic in some way. Yes. Or it's, does the river just flow? The river, for me, the river flows. Like I'm a very flowy person, but I, my body dictates a lot of the things I want and need. Like somehow, and it's funny, I'll look back on my year and I'll look back at my calendar and I'm like, I went camping every other weekend and wow. I didn't, I didn't realize I did it at all. Never crossed my mind. I just, I would be like, let's go camping this weekend. And then two weekends later, let's go camping this weekend. It did. (laughs) And (laughs) it's like one of those things where I just got in this kind of animal flow of, of responding to the things I need. And it's been really fruitful. I, I need to go out into the wilderness regularly. I need to go with friends and I need to go with friends whose mind I respect because there is an unlocking in me that comes around a campfire that is yeah. not unlocked in almost any other place. Yeah. Um, there is an, and, and then in a more intimate way, like here in LA, whenever I'm home or when I'm traveling, like I'm always me plus whiskey over ice plus sitting on a back porch or on the stoop talking is a formula is a, is a huge spiritual practice for me. Wow. 
Wow. Huge. And then, luckily, because I travel so much, and planes, trains, whatever, I'm always reading. Yeah. And I'm not always reading a book. I always have like six books in my bag, but yeah. I'm also reading <laughs> politics. I'm reading long-form articles from Harper's, The New Yorker, or Vanity Fair, or who knows what. And just my mind is like such a gluttonous consumer when it comes to information because what it's doing is really, as I've grown up, I'm realizing it's looking for patterns and metaphors because it knows that everything in the universe is the same. It's all cyclical. It's all birth, death, and rebirth. It's all relationship. It's all relationship. It's all the divine dance. And so it's looking for more confirmation. And so in anything, it's, it's just building out its master spreadsheet of mm. metaphor and pattern. And so I just can't get enough. Wow. Let's talk whiskey for a minute. Have you had Balcones from Waco? <sighs> no. Okay. Well, it's headed your way. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. <laughs> I'll send you a photo of me face down in my backyard. Yeah, we will uh, We will find a way to uh, get that and to I, you. I want to have it with you. Hey, we need to figure out how we can make that happen. Okay, we will. I have no doubt. Um, okay, so the great big question uh, that I ask everybody... Um, I, so, so music is my metaphor for, for all of it. Um, and for me each individual's music is the experience that unfolds and the story that is written when one's divine identity, core consciousness, and God giftings come together, come alive, and crescendo in the universe we exist in. Um, That's kind of salty. Um, (laughs) So what, what, I mean, when you look back and, and you have the moment, whether it's, day by day, week by week, year by year, or at the end of life, and you want to look back and say, I'm glad I did, in lieu of saying, I wish I had. What what do you want your music to be? What comes to mind for me is a poem that my best friend Jason Russell shared with me by Hafez, and it's called An Enthusiasm to Express Discovery. Can I read it? Let's go. Okay. Some painters were engaged in a passionate conversation about the value of art. It was an interesting discussion that I listened to almost an hour without speaking. Then a young man turned to me and said, Any comments, Hafez? And these thoughts came to mind that I spoke. The greatest and most lasting art, the impetus of it, I feel, always comes from a wanting to help, a wanting to free and an enthusiasm to express discovery. Each soul at some point will begin to feel all is within it and then attends, as it were, to its own inner world. That attendance may not result in anything considered tangible reaching the masses. But the artist also becomes aware of inner spheres and mingles with them and then puts those experiences into what they most care about for the world to see and touch if the world wants. I know all my poems come from a wanting to give something useful. And so when I read that, mm. I was like, wow, that is me. Like I, I know all my poems come from a wanting to give something useful. And, and for me, as, as I wrote in public 
on Instagram of all places and saw people respond and then saw book agents respond and then saw my family respond. I was like, wow, I was doing this to actually help myself find the words so I could understand my life. But by doing it in public, I helped others do that. Mm -hmm. And what a great reason to write. What a great reason to do anything is to be useful. Yes. And so it's just, I want my music of my life. I want people to say he was helpful. Mm -hmm. Like he gave me, he, he gave the chaos and the phenomenon of being alive, you know, like it, he gave it music mm-hmm. in the sense where a bunch of notes played at once or played out of order can just, you know, when the, when the orchestra is rehearsing or like they're getting ready before the show and it just kind of sounds like noise, it's not until you organize the notes that it becomes music. And it's, yeah. and I think the human brain distracted by trying to stay alive and trying to manage responsibilities and insecurity and everything going on pressures of society um sometimes doesn't realize that everything already is in tune Hmm. and the music is playing you just can't hear it (laughs) and anything that i can do when when i hear music i want to say you thought this was noise it's music Hmm. you thought this was noise it's music Dude, that's it. Yeah, that's that's Jed, what I want to do. Jed Jenkins, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> um, and dude, your your music—you've just said it, like in this book I've been writing. I, I've said your music is mm. this twofold gift. It it's mm. the thing that it's the art, the gift that changes others, and then it's mm. simultaneously the thing that fills you up. You you can't ask for something more beautiful to spill out of your life. Mm, um, yes. And it, and it's, it's both and it's both, it's and. both and it's both. And it's, mm. it's the gift for the world and it's the thing that nourishes your soul. And, Oh man, I feel like I need to get on a bike and ride to Patagonia or something. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, it helps. I would say we're peers now. Can we say that? Uh, we're 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 peers. I hope. Uh, yes. Dude, um, what Dude, a gift this was! What a gift this was! This is a friendship uh, I will definitely cherish. Um, so if we're gonna send people your way online, Instagram, Twitter, thewildernesscollective.com, where do we go find all things <laughs> Jet Jenkins? Yeah. Well. There's Wilderness, which is just the word wilderness on Instagram, wildernesscollective.com. And then my Instagram is just my name, Jedediah Jenkins, spelled like Jedi. If you just type Jedi, Dia, it'll, it'll, you'll see You'll it. find it. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just, I, it's so fun to talk to you. And I can't wait for anyone listening to this. If this, if they're like, oh my gosh, these guys are so my wavelength. Well, that makes me so happy because that's the whole point. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're just doing our part, you know, the little way. Um, so beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Keep up the good and necessary <laughs> work. It's it's what we need. Uh-huh. Well, same to you. From, 
from your North Texas. Are you in North no. Texas or Central Texas? Well, it just or it depends Texas. on the day. You know, it depends. I, I, <laughs> some, sometimes I'm in Waco, which is Central Texas, and right. then sometimes I'm north of Dallas. Uh, it just got it. So I'm I'm all well, over. Well, you're far away in that giant state, but you're doing important things and giving voice to a lot of important things that I wish I had heard ten years ago. Oh man. Well, hey, and and 2017, can we get something on the books? Can we swap some emails? Do this again? Yes. Okay. I would <laughs> love to. Part 2, 2.0. Um, beautiful. Oh, <clears throat> All right, my friend. We'll uh, we're so grateful and we'll catch you down the road. Okay, thank All you, right. Ashton. Right, we'll talk soon. <laughs> talk to you soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Jedediah. Be sure to check him out. Follow what he's doing. Uh, in Wilderness Magazine, follow him on Instagram, and of course at JedediahJenkins.com. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebird sing, and be love. Today's episode is brought to us by Holsty, our good friends at Holsty, Mike Radbefar and his brother. Uh, unbelievable work they've got going there. Be sure that you sign up for their monthly mailing. Uh, it's a beautiful experience. Holste, H-O-L-S-T-E-E dot com. I love everything they are doing. The Holste Manifesto uh, has been such a joy and a light in my life, and I know that um, there's a lot of beauty they will unlock uh, for all of us. So make sure you go visit Holste.com. We'll see you next time.